We're in a series on the end times, titled Endgame, what we know about what's to come. And we know a lot about what's to come because God's in charge of history and He's revealed to us a bit about His plan. Now, He hasn't told us everything that's going to happen, and so uh, we are always left when we study this topic in the Bible with some unanswered questions, that's okay. We need to be humble and let God tell us what we need to know. He's told us everything we need to know so that we can make decisions today that please Him, right? And we do need to know somewhat about what's coming so that we can make decisions today in light of that future. And in, in uh, summary, it's what's coming is God is going to be victorious, and His people will be blessed, and all those who opposed God will be defeated. Uh, There's more to it than that, but that's basically it, and so today you want to make decisions to trust God and be on God's side, right? And that is ultimately expressed by your allegiance to His Son, Jesus Christ, and participation in His great mission of the church and the gospel. So we have looked uh, at quite a few topics already. We've talked about the second coming of Jesus. We've talked about the tribulation, uh, the rapture, the antichrist, the mark of the beast, final judgment, what it means to be living in in the end times even now. Uh, Next week we're going to end with heaven, glorious topic. Uh, If you've missed any of these, you can catch up online, clearwater.church. They're all there for you. And uh, James and I have worked quite hard, I have to say. Uh, Some sermons and some topics require additional effort. And so we have been been refreshing and studying for this topic, uh, and you get to benefit from it. The topic today is Israel, the Jewish people. And what is their spiritual future. Now, if you are reading the Bible cover to cover, you will quickly recognize that the first two-thirds of the Bible is predominantly about the Jewish people and and God's covenant relationship with them and the nation of Israel. And I mean, they are the chosen people of God, and God is working through the Jewish people to bless the world. But I mean, it's the, the, the biblical story is centered around the Jewish people. In fact, here's the way the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 9 talks about the ethnic Israelites. Romans chapter 9, verse 4, he writes, and by the way, you know, Paul's a Jew. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. Yeah, it is, in the Old Testament, it is God's relationship with the Jewish people. That's what we're reading about. That's what's on display. They're the ones who, to whom God had promised the Messiah. And they were, they were longing for the Messiah and praising, praying that God would send the Messiah soon. And then the Messiah comes, right? God sends Jesus. 
his only begotten son, the second person of the Trinity, leaves heaven and comes to earth on this great rescue mission. And he comes, born as a, as a Jew, to the Jewish people. His ministry is to the Jewish people. And what happens? The vast majority of Jewish people reject Jesus. Some of them even clamor for him to be crucified. And from the beginning of the church age until now, at any point in history, if you polled the ethnic Israel, if you polled the Jewish people, the vast majority of them uh, would reject Jesus as their Messiah. Now, there have always been believing Jews, right? The, the, the church was founded by Jewish Christians. But very quickly, uh, the, the church lost its, its Jewish flavor, and it became predominantly Gentile. And the vast majority of Christians throughout history have been Gentiles, non-Jews who are followers of Jesus. And, and that's the case up until today. Vast majority of Jews do not accept Jesus as their Messiah, but there's always been a remnant. And so the question is, is that going to continue until the end of time, or will there be a reversal? Is there coming a day in which the Jewish people will have their hearts softened, their eyes opened to who Jesus really is, and they'll become Christ followers? Is there coming a day when if you were to poll the Jews in the world, the vast majority of them are Christians. And if there are any unbelievers, they're the minority. Has God's favor and promises to the Jewish people ceased? Well, this, this question is answered very directly in Romans chapter 11. And the reason it's part of this series is because we're talking about what's to come, and this is a question the Bible talks about, this future uh, change of heart uh, of the Jews toward Jesus. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. We're looking today at verses 25 to 32. Romans chapter 11, verse 25. Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. Who is Paul writing to? He's writing to Christians living in Rome, the vast majority of whom are Gentiles, non-Jewish followers of Jesus. And Paul believes that there is a danger that these Gentile believers will be wise in their own sight. They're going to think more highly of themselves than they should. They're going to be a little arrogant in their relationship to Jewish people. And I suspect it's an attitude something like this. The Jews had their chance. And the Jewish people, I mean, they had the prophets, they had the covenants, they had... 
They had all these spiritual advantages, but when it came right down to it, they, they rejected Jesus. In fact, you know, they killed the Messiah. I grew up as a pagan. I didn't have any of those benefits, but I've seen the light, and I have, uh, I have abandoned my cultural religion to put my faith in Jesus Christ. You know, the, the time of the Jews is over, uh, and God has moved on from the Jews. It's now, it's now all about uh, the, the Gentile Christians. And some, so some kind of a, of, of an, of a dismissal of uh, God's continued love for the Jewish people. At a minimum, at a minimum, an attitude that says they no longer have any special place in God's heart. They're no longer uh, special. They're, un- they're just like any other unbeliever. And Paul is going to reveal a mystery that he thinks will address this attitude, this uh, arrogance. So what is this mystery? Now, a mystery is something that God has kept hidden up until now. So it's part of the plan of God that he is now revealing to his people. And so he's revealing it. He has revealed it to Paul, the apostle, and through Paul, he is now revealing it to the church. And this mystery that Paul believes is going to help alter our attitude toward the Jewish people, has three parts to it. I don't want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. Part A. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. So part A, a partial hardening has come upon Israel. A hardening of what? A hardening of their hearts toward Jesus. Uh, An unbelief. And has come upon Israel is language that indicates God's behind the hardening. God is doing this to Israel. Now this, whenever the Bible talks about God hardening the heart of people, like it talks about God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he wouldn't let the Jews go, uh, that's kind of startling to us, and, and we, we wonder, you know, what's really happening here? Now, is, is Paul saying that the Jews would, if God were not intervening in their, in their hearts, would they have put their faith in Jesus Christ? Were they kind of, by nature, uh, soft toward Jesus, and then God hardens their heart? Or is it that they'd already made a decision against Jesus, and God is not acting to soften that. He's kind of calcifying their hardness. Well, however, whatever it really means, the the bottom line is, uh, God has hardened, in part, the hearts of the Jews toward Jesus. Now, it's a partial hardening, because not every Jewish person has rejected Jesus. There's always a remnant There are are always some Jews who repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ and get get saved like like the rest of us. But the majority 
uh, do not. It's also a partial hardening in that it will not last forever. So it's temporary. There is coming a day, this is what Paul's going to talk about, there is coming a day when God will soften the hearts of the Jewish people and they will mass convert to faith in Christ. So first part of the mission uh, of the mystery is that a partial hardening has come upon Israel. Israel there, he's talking about ethnic Jews. Part B, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Has come in to what? Has come into the church. Until all the Gentile branches have been grafted into the Jewish tree. They become part of the people of God. Now, fullness of the Gentiles most likely entails an actual number. So, God has preordained a certain number of Gentiles to get saved, to become Christians, to put their faith in Jesus. And when that final person, male or female, repents of her sins and puts her faith in Jesus Christ, then the hardness of the hearts of the Jews will go away, will be softened, and they will recognize Jesus for who he is and themselves become Christians. Now, dispensational theologians uh, believe that when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, that's when the church will get raptured. So all the Christians alive, which would include the remnant of Jews at that time, will be taken out, and it's during the seven-year tribulation period that the eyes of the Jewish people are opened, and they mass convert to faith in Christ. Paul doesn't tell us anything beyond simply when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, that's when this partial hardening will end. Verse 26, and in this way all Israel will be saved. Now some believe that here Paul changes his meaning of Israel. Previous verse, he's obviously talking about ethnic Israel. In the verses following, he's obviously talking about ethnic Jews. But here, some say, oh, here Paul has in mind Israel in, as defined spiritually, spiritual Israel. So all he's really meaning is that, uh, you know, at the end of the age, there will be uh, all the Gentiles who put their faith in Christ and the totality of the Jewish remnant. But that does, you know, when you interpret the Scripture, uh, you're hard-pressed to believe that, I'm hard-pressed to believe that Paul changes his meaning of Israel. I think it's a lot better to understand that he still has in mind ethnic Israel. And he's saying, uh, when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, then there will be a softening of the hearts of the Jews and all Israel will be saved. Now, when he's, he doesn't say every Israelite. He's envisioning this future day when there will be a mass conversion of Jewish people to faith in Jesus Christ. And in that day, the vast majority of Jews will be Christians. And in this way, so what does that mean, and in this way? Well, what he means there is that the hearts of the Jews will no longer be hardened. They will be softened. And with the softening of the hearts they will then put their faith in Jesus Christ. 
Jewish people, by the way, uh, do not get to heaven uh, apart from repentance of sin and faith in Jesus Christ. There's not like a special other way to get saved. From Once Christ rose from the dead, from that point on, the only way you end up going to heaven is if you repent of your sins and put your faith in Jesus Christ. There's not a, another option. And so what Paul's predicting is there will be a future date in which the Jewish people repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, one of the reasons I think this interpretation is correct is because of what follows. Paul here then uh, explains why what he has just predicted makes total sense in light of Scripture and in light of uh, God's covenant relationship with the Jews. So he continues, as it is written, he's now reaching back to the prophet Isaiah. And he's saying, you know, what I just told you, you shouldn't be surprised about it because think about what Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years earlier. As it is written, and he's, uh, he quotes from two places in Isaiah, Isaiah 59 and Isaiah 27. He combines these. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. The deliverer is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He will come from Zion. Zion is a, another term for Jerusalem. Probably Paul has in mind the heavenly Jerusalem from which Jesus will return. And he will do what? He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. Jacob is shorthand for ethnic Israel. He's going to banish ungodliness from Jacob. Now, in Christ's first coming, he laid the foundation for that. But, but remember, from the time Jesus has come, the majority of Jewish people have rejected him. So how, how in the world can that prophecy of this future day when the Jewish people's ungodliness will be banished from Jacob. No, what Paul's saying is that has not yet been fulfilled. That will be fulfilled in the future. Verse 27, and this will be my covenant with them. Who's the them? The Jewish people. When I take away their sins. So again, I think what Paul's saying is, you know, remember what Isaiah prophesied. It has not yet come to pass. It will come to pass in a few, the future that I just told you about. Take away their sins. And how are their sins going to be taken away? By the, by the blood of Jesus as they put their faith in Christ. Verse 28, he continues. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. Who's the they? The Jewish people. They're enemies of the gospel. Uh, when Paul was living, who was persecuting the church? The Jewish people. They viewed uh, Christianity as an aberrant uh, splinter group of Judaism, preaching a false Messiah, and they were determined to snuff it out. And so it was the Jewish people that either directly persecuted the Christians or agitated for the Romans to persecute the Christians. And so Paul understands that the Jewish people in his day were enemies of the gospel. They did, not, they did not approve of the Christian message, and they sought to actually uh, stamp it out. And no, notice what he says. They are enemies for your sake. 
Very odd. How, how does the animosity of the Jewish people benefit the Gentile Christians? And elsewhere, um, multiple other places in Romans, Paul talks about this, that the, the hardening of the heart of the Jews has resulted in Gentiles becoming Christians. And the Bible doesn't explain why that is. Like, what's the, what's the connection here? So I'm now speculating, but here's the best I can figure. <clears throat> if the Jewish people had accepted Christ as the Messiah and the church had, had been very uh, Jewish in its flavor, Gentiles might have just said, well, that's the Jewish religion and I'm, a, I'm not a Jew. So what is it? What does it have to do with me? Now, there had always been Gentiles who were God-fearers and uh, did enter into Judaism, but very few, right? The vast majority of Gentiles did their own thing. But very quickly in church history, uh, Christianity lost its Jewish flavor, and it was filled and led by Gentile Christians. And I believe that uh, what was happening is that that made Christianity more accessible to Gentiles. They were more interested in it because it didn't feel like uh, a Jewish exclusive religion. And so that seems to be what the Bible is saying, that somehow the, the, the hardness of the Jews results in more Gentiles coming to faith in Jesus Christ. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they, the Jewish people, are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. So who is beloved? And beloved by whom, first off? Paul's saying the Jewish people are beloved by God. Now what Jewish people? Only the Jewish people who uh, have faith in Jesus? Only our fellow Christians? No, Paul has in mind here that they who are beloved are the Jewish people, the majority of whom were unbelievers, some of whom had said, crucify him, crucify him. They were still alive. And so notice what Paul's saying. God loves the Jews, even in their unbelief even in their persecution of the church. They're beloved by God. There must not be a hint of anti-Semitism in the hearts of Gentile Christians. God loves the Jewish people, period. And so should we. If they're beloved by God... How dare we think anything less of them? Now, what does he mean by election? The Bible talks about election in two ways. The way we are most familiar is individual election to salvation, right? God, before the foundation of the world, chose some, right? And lots of debate about what exactly that means. Did he just... Did he just foreknow what we were going to do and then choose to make a, you know, create this world in which he knew I would get saved and somebody else wouldn't? I mean, what does it mean? We don't know. But the Bible does teach election. God has elected some for salvation, and we think individually. 
But there is a second way in which the Bible talks about election. It's corporate election, and it is only, only applies to the Jewish people. God has elected the Jews, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as he has elected them to be his chosen special people for a special purpose, and he has given them special gifts and calling. And what Paul is clearly saying to us is the Jews' current unbelief, their rejection of Jesus, does not abrogate that election. It has, it's not been broken, it hasn't gone away. God entered into a covenant with their forefathers, and that covenant still stands. And uh, one of the one of the outworkings of the election of the Jewish people is what Paul just told us. Because they are beloved, because they are elected, God's not going to allow their unbelief to continue forever. He will act on their behalf. He will soften their hearts. They will see Jesus and receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord in the end. And that's, that is a blessing of being the people of God that's not promised to any other, other ethnic people. There will be Christians from every tribe, tongue, nation on, on the world, but it is the, the election of God on the Jewish people that moves God to soften their hearts in the end so that there will be a mass conversion of the Jewish people. Oh, the faithfulness of God. We, we should take great comfort because once by faith you, you become adopted into the family of God, he will, he will pursue you and, cling, and hold on to you with as much tenaciousness as he does the Jewish people. If even there, crucify him, crucify him, let his blood be on us and on our descendants forever. Even that doesn't cause God to, to abandon the Jews. And that's why the Bible says things like, neither height nor depth, life, death, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, right? No one can snatch them out of my hand. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Verse 29, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Irrevocable. Once God makes a promise to you, he will not revoke it. You, even with your poor behavior, cannot revoke it. Praise to God. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Boy, we rest in that, because I'll tell you what's, what is revocable my good behavior, my positive attitude, my submission to Jesus in the moment. I am fickle, right? But God is not. And that's what we put our hope in is God and his faithfulness and his character, his unchangeableness. Verse 30, for just as you Gentiles... Gentile Christians, for just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy. So, 
that one time, I think what Paul is saying is, you Gentiles, you used to be disobedient. For thousands and thousands of years, the Gentiles were predominantly pagans doing their own thing, worshiping false gods. They had, a ma- uh, they had a time of disobedience. And then God has poured out mercy upon them. And so Gentiles, millions upon millions upon millions of Gentiles have repented of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ and gotten saved and, and are experiencing the mercy of God. Notice this line, because of their disobedience. There it is again, this somehow the disobedience of the Jews, the hardness of, of, the, of the Jews towards Jesus has resulted in Gentiles receiving mercy, Gentiles getting saved. Verse 31, so they too, Jewish people, so they too have now been disobedient in order that the mercy shown to you that by the mercy shown to you they also may now receive mercy what he's saying is hey the jewish people are having their time of disobedience but it will also end with mercy and then what he's about to say in the next verse is essentially this everybody on the planet all people's groups have had their time of great disobedience so that everybody is deserving of the judgment of God, and yet God has then been merciful to all people. So nobody can claim uh, that God has not been anything but merciful to me. Verse 32, For God has consigned all to disobedience, that he may have mercy on all. Everybody is deserving of punishment, and God in Christ has had mercy on all. Not saying that everybody is going to receive that mercy. It still requires a personal choice. But everyone can. So let me, I have four takeaways to summarize this teaching here in Romans 11 and to apply it to our lives. Number one, the Jewish people are the chosen people of God. And they still have a good spiritual future in store. The unbelief of the majority of Jews since the coming of Christ does not abrogate the covenantal promises he made with them. They are still his chosen people. They are still his beloved. They're still the people of God. That has not changed. And uh, thus we need to think of them that way. And they have a glorious spiritual future. Their hearts will be softened by the mighty act of God on their behalf. They will see Jesus for who he is. They will repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And there's coming a day when if you poll the Jews in the world, if not all of them, the vast, vast majority of them will be Christians. Now, not every, just because the blood of Abraham runs in your veins does not mean you'll be in heaven still requires faith. And unfortunately, even now, if, if a Jewish person dies in his or her unbelief towards Jesus, uh, they're lost. And so we need to be uh, concerned and um, be sharing our faith. And I'll talk about that in just a little bit. Second takeaway, 
Gentile Christians, as far as I know, I'm a Gentile Christian. Gentile Christians must be humble in their relationship with Jews, even unbelieving Jews. Recognizing that the Jewish people are the chosen people of God. And, as far as I know, uh, the promise God made to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, is still in effect. I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you I will curse. And I think that does apply to the state of Israel. So, here we are, we have, we have a state of Israel. Doesn't mean that everything the state of Israel does is right. They can still act wickedly. They can be unjust, and when they do, the loving act is to uh, point that at and call them to change. But I, I do think that there is a blessing for us individually, and I think there is a blessing on our nation if, if we are seeking to bless, not harm, uh, the people of God, uh, the, the chosen people of God. Number three, some Jews are being saved now, so share your joy in Jesus. You know, one of the things that Paul says, uh, Paul, who was a Jew, he, um, he had a special ministry to the Gentiles. So he brought the gospel to Gentiles uh, to, be, to get saved. And one of the things that Paul tells us as Romans is that one of the things I'm hoping to accomplish by winning Gentiles to faith in Jesus I'm hoping to provoke my fellow Jew to jealousy. And I think what he meant by that is, you know, here are these Gentiles going around saying, I'm in a personal relationship with Jesus, the Messiah of the Jews, and I so appreciate all that he's doing in my life and my forgiveness of sins. And and if you're a Jewish person and you're hearing that, you can't help but think, you're claiming that you have a personal relationship with the Messiah? I mean, and I don't? Come on, I'm a Jewish person. And it can provoke them to, at a minimum, looking into Christianity. What about this claim I keep hearing from all these Christians who claim that they're in, you know, benefiting from a relationship with the Jewish Messiah? And some will examine the gospel and say, oh yeah, Jesus is the Messiah. And then they become Christians. And, and that's always happening. Therefore, uh, we want to share our faith with our, Jewish, with our Jewish friends. Share with them the joy you have in the Messiah and the hope you have in the Messiah. And, and God might use your testimony to provoke them to look at it. Of course, this, is, this can happen with all of our friends, right? We need to be uh, sharing the gospel. But Jewish people don't get to heaven just because the blood of Abraham's in their veins. They still have to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and so we want to, and now they can. There is always a remnant. So we want to be uh, active in sharing our faith with our Jewish friends. And the final takeaway is this. God's faithfulness to the Jews assures us of God's faithfulness to us. Which I hit on a little bit earlier. But, Yeah. Uh, the fact that God doesn't give up on the Jewish people, the fact that despite their unbelief, despite their rejection, uh, he is tenaciously faithful to them and has a glorious future for them. That is so encouraging to us. So encouraging to us. I have to, we all have to constantly remind ourselves that um, 
We're not, gonna, we're not going to heaven because of our righteous deeds, nor are we going to hell because of our wicked deeds. Whether or not I'm going to heaven or hell has everything to do with what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross and whether or not I'm united with him by faith. So it's all about, it's all about my heart attitude, my faith in Jesus Christ. That's what's important. Now, I want to grow in sanctification, right? I want to become more like Jesus. I want the sin out of my life because I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and I have come to realize that it's by, fall, it's by following Christ in obedience that I live the, the, the happiest, healthiest possible life. Sin is destructive. Boy, it looks really pretty in the moment and then it leaves uh, destruction in its wake. And obedience to God is always healing and always produces life. And I've, I've seen that in my own life and the lives of other people for so long that I believe it more and more and more. And, and I, I, I am afraid of sin. I'm afraid of sin because of its destructive power. But it's not so I can go to heaven. It's so I can please the Lord, so I can live the life that He, that he has for me. I don't, I don't want to sin, but it's... Not, yeah, it's not so that I can win uh, my own righteousness, right? I've run out of things to say. We're going to pray. So take a moment and res- respond, respond to this truth. Boy, as it relates to, as it relates to anti-Semitism, you know, Pastor James and I were talking this week. There have been ethnic hatred towards ethnic people groups in in different times throughout history in different isolated places. But why is it that the that the, the Jewish people have been uh, for throughout all time throughout the whole world have been the target of ethnic hatred. How can you not see behind that the active work of Satan against the special people of God? So Lord, if there is any anti-Semitism in our heart, use this truth of your love for them and your wonderful future for them to just tear that out of our hearts. And Lord, if, if we have encountered Jewish people's uh, lack of interest in the gospel, rejection of Jesus, may it not harden our heart uh, to, uh, to the Jewish people or take away a, a zeal and a passion to share with them the gospel. Uh, may we just continue to share our joy in Jesus and, and knowing that there is always a remnant that you will be saving. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We're so thankful for your faithfulness to Jewish people and your faithfulness to us. And we, we just worship you and celebrate your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.